Samaritan's Purse is in the process of setting up an emergency field hospital in western Ukraine. The DC-8 cargo plane airlifted the initial phase of the hospital on March 4th, along with disaster assistance response team members, including doctors, nurses, logistics, and other personnel. The field hospital will have two operating rooms with capacity for 14 major surgeries or 30 minor surgeries per day. The emergency room can handle 100 patients per day, and the facility also has a pharmacy and its own water and sanitation system. Ukrainian families are hurting and in desperate need of physical aid and prayer during this difficult time. You can be a part of helping the people of Ukraine. Donate now at SamaritansPurse.org. Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. I have some black friends who would fall out of their chair if their son or daughter brought a white girl home. Or I have some white friends who would fall out of their chair if their son or daughter brought a black person home. My sister dated a black guy and then eventually married one. In Parma? In Parma. Wait a minute, Bill. Now, that's the same Parma that you told me that if a black person drove to Parma, the police would stop them and escort them out of town. Well, you can imagine what it was like when he came through the kitchen door and my dad was sitting in the kitchen. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill. One. You got to have one. A nope. token black person? A token and there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, we thank you for today and for this weekend and for the rain and nourishment that you've given Mother Earth. Lord, uh, We lift up family members and friends that we know this past week have gone through some tragedy uh, with their child uh, passing. And Lord, uh, we lift them up and their family as they go through the grieving process. Lord, we look forward to uh, a new week coming up and the blessings that you'll bestow on us. Lord, we lift up uh, all the folks in Haiti and Afghanistan that are going through so much. Amen. Father God, we just say thank you as you continue to bless us, as you continue to protect us, and you continue to enlighten us. God, I thank you for the comments that we receive back from this podcast. Many have said that they feel you through it. Different type of ministry, different type of sermon, different type of word, God, but people understand it. And we just thank you for the opportunity of Bill and myself just to 
share your word in different ways as we continue to look at ourselves, God. Because if we examine ourselves, then we can correct some things about ourselves. We can enjoy some things about ourselves. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good, Bill. Doing pretty good these days. Yep. Life is good on this side of heaven, and I'm at a point where we try not to take anything for granted, my friend. Good. But you have a good weekend? Had a very good weekend. As you know, I spent a lot of time back and forth uh, every other weekend at Charleston, South Carolina. But, you know, the other weekend was had the privilege of just playing with the grandkids. You know, they came up for Friday night, Saturday, while their parents went to uh, – a wedding out of town and they left us with the sniffles, but we've gotten over that. But just seeing those grandkids, it's just something about those little people, you know, and you just see your life flash in front of you. Aren't they precious? They are Very so precious. So. You know, it's interesting. Um, when you start thinking about grandchildren and I was thinking about the whole idea of, you know, sometime Bill, I've had examples where people have come to me and, Say the young man was white and the young lady was black. So in today's show, we want to talk about interracial marriages and the grandkids, more of the grandkids and how that has split some families and how it's brought some families together. We want to talk about all the stuff that happens. And it's just it's just interesting. And, you know, when you go back to the whole thing of Back in 1863, when they outlawed interracial marriages, interracial sex, and then in 1967, when the U.S. Supreme Court in Loving versus Virginia, you know, ruled it unconstitutional. But just because something is legal or illegal, it doesn't matter. It's still people falling in love with each other. And in a lot of cases, Bill, um, this whole race thing just gets in the way. Yeah, yeah, it really does. You know, as, you, as you're sharing that, you know. I was thinking about grandkids and grandparents and, and how grandparents sometimes have to step in and take custody of their grandkids. Uh, things happen. You know, I, I've met two couples now that the grandparents have uh, basically adopted their grandkids because uh, the children were not capable. Wow. You know, it's interesting. Um, early on in South Carolina, in some cases, you go to the foster care or the orphanage, if that's even a political correct word to use now, and a lot of uh, interracial children would be in orphanages. And I've watched over the years, Bill, where I've seen older white grandparents walking through the park, walking through the zoo with a interracial grandchild, I would assume a grandchild, I didn't go and ask anybody. And you could see the stairs because mm -hmm. this yeah. is early on. Now, again, I'm, yeah. I'm old. I'm 60, yeah. 61 years old. But over time, you don't see it anymore now. Now you see it on TV. Now you see it on commercials. Now you see the child and everybody's smiling. And I wonder how people feel about that because life marches on. And the whole idea of the, the days of, you know, if you – date a black person or date a white person or marry a white person or a black person or a Hispanic person or anything. And, re, and, and let me say now, it goes on both sides mm -hmm. because I have some black friends who would fall out of their chair 
if their son or daughter brought a white girl home. Or I have some white friends who would fall out of their chair if their son or daughter brought a black person home. It's almost like the day, guess who's coming to dinner? You yep. remember that? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was a great movie. You know, my my sister um, uh, dated a black guy and then eventually married one. In Parma? In Parma, yeah. Parma, Wait a minute, Bill. Now, that's the same Parma that you told me you that if a black person drove through Parma, the police would stop them and escort them out of town. Well, you can imagine what it was like when he came through the kitchen door and my dad was sitting in the kitchen. And Where were you? I was I was sitting in the kitchen, too, and we kind of knew she kind of alerted all of his kids that she was bringing them. You know, my dad's name was Bill, and my name is Bill. Well, guess what the name of this guy was? Bill? It was. It oh, was come Bill. On, Bill. I, I thought my dad's eyes were going to bulge out of his head. But they, you know what they what they did? Uh, dad wasn't real happy at first. But this Bill was really smart. He sat down at the kitchen table, and he knew what he was getting into. And he invited my dad out for a golfing. And by the time they got down with the golf rounds, they were best friends. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, now this is Odell, the good-looking black guy. <laughs> and this is Bill, my favorite partner. And your dad is Bill, and this guy's name's Bill. And Perma, where black folk would be escorted out of town if they showed up. And this black guy's coming home to meet your father to say, I'm dating your daughter, or I'm going to marry your daughter. H- help me, Bill. I'm... Bill, you have to help me out because you done, you done threw me a curve. You, you threw got, me a boomerang. I, help kinda, me out. Kind of blew your mind. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Just help me out, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, she dated this guy for a while, and he was a nice guy, and then they broke up. And about 10 years later, she married a guy by the name of Jerry Richardson. And to this day, my sister, his name is Donna Richardson, and Jerry came and visited our house. This, this was a number of years after Bill came. And uh, so it wasn't as shocking, but Jerry was way more sophisticated than us. He spoke five languages. He had two companies in Europe. He belonged to a big country club in Indianapolis where he was from, travels all over the world. And uh, he invited us to the country club, his country club. And uh, we were the white trash that showed up. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he was, because he was, our, our, the way we golf is uh, we call it full contact golf. We do all kinds of silly things like unhook the bag so when your cart goes it falls out and things like that. <laughs> and uh, it will take the pin that's in the in the pin and we'll stick it in the sand trap so you're shooting to the sand trap instead. And uh, we did that a couple times and he says, you know, boys, I don't know if I can let you in my country club anymore. You know what, Bill? Out of <laughs> Again, out of love and respect, it reminds me when I was a child, I used to look at the Beverly Hillbillies. And what you just said, I remember <laughs> an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies when they went golfing, and that's kind of what you just described. Stated. But I never heard a white person refer to themselves or anything close to a saying, we were the white trash of the, because I've always seen that as such negative connotations. And you said it like, Odell is no big deal. No, it's it's no big deal, and uh, you know it's it can be used as a as a really bad thing. I mean, I you know I think if somebody was really angry at me and called me that, eh, you know, it's words. Words wow. don't you know you, you can get a, walk away from words. But Bill, I've always learned. We used to say something in school. 
Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah. But I've learned that words hurt. Case in point, you know, when this young couple came to me um, and they were thinking about getting married and they came to marriage council and he, he, the person was sharing with me that some of their family members said, if you marry that black girl, I'm going to uh, take you out of my will and I'm going to disown you and, and I'm going to do all these things to you. And, and, and it's like, these kids were just in love. Yeah. And now they're going to be disowned. The family's going to be ripped apart. And all of a sudden, and heaven forbid, if you marry her, but now she's pregnant. Mm. So now, what am I going to do with this, this child? And I'm not even going to use some of the adjectives and how they would describe a interracial child. But all of a sudden, it reminds me of my grandmother back in the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s in a small town in Abbeville, South Carolina. My grandmother, who I loved and knew her well, she was an albino. So imagine this, Bill. Wow. My grandfather, very large, dark man, and he has a black woman in his car who looks white. Mm-hmm. My grandmother looked just like Aunt, Aunt B mm-hmm. on, um, you know, the Andy Griffin show, just like her. Yep. Just like her. Just like her. And I'm sure the family never talked about it, but I'm sure over all those years in Abbeville, South Carolina, law enforcement probably stopped my grandfather and questioned him about this white woman, appeared to be white woman sitting in the car with him when she was black and she was albino because, as you know, for until 1967, it was illegal. It was illegal. It was illegal. So this is in the South. But your situation with your guests who come in to dinner, that was back when? Was that? That was in the that was in the seventies, I think. Probably sixties, seventies. And uh yeah, probably in the uh, early seventies. It still was unusual. And you know, as time went on, Jerry Richardson became a family member. I mean, he, he was loved by our family. He, you know, Christmas he would get gifts from our family and vice versa. Uh, and so it, we got through that, but you know, I was reading this book called, uh, sharecroppers wisdom. It was about a brigadier general down in East Carolina. And he talks about being a sharecropper and what that meant. And, uh, and, and he had, his mother was light colored and they got stopped all the time by Mm -hmm. the police Mm -hmm. for the same reason you said. And she had to carry ID proving she was black because he'd get in trouble. And that wasn't that long ago. That was in the 60s. And uh, so I'm like, holy cow, that was just down the road from us. Yeah. Um, so it's and then then you throw the mix of kids in there. And uh, it's amazing. I want to share a little story with you. You know, I adopted two children. I adopted my son, Will, from Bridgeport, Connecticut. And uh, then I adopted a little girl from Poland. Her name is Jessa. And I tell everybody she's my little communist. <laughs> and uh, but she's she's a sweet kid. And uh, we're very proud of both of them. But when we went to adopt uh, Jessa in Poland, it was communist. And uh, so we had to go through all of these. uh, We had to go to the consulate in D.C. We had to do stuff in New York. We had to do stuff when we got to Warsaw. We had to hire a lawyer in Warsaw or a lawyer here, an interpreter. It, It was quite a production. And we finally get to the point where the judge in Warsaw gives us the piece of paper. It says we can go to the orphanage which was three hours away from uh, 
Warsaw. It's called Bialystok. So we took the train, and the train, the thing that struck me is uh, there was the whole time we were watching agriculture, and there might have been one tractor. There were hundreds of plows with horses. Also, a lot of the, at night, there wasn't a lot of electricity in the houses. You could see candles. Wow. And that was in 84. Not that long ago. 1984. 1984, yep. And its stores were bare. I mean, it was. there's a whole story behind that. But anyhow, uh, we got to the uh, the village, Bialystok, and uh, we had to spend two nights there. So we went down into the restaurant, and uh, the restaurant was supposed to be, you know, fine dining. So we looked, and all we saw were mushrooms. There's, So I asked them, and they had great wine. And I said, well, what's the deal? And he says, we have some of the best mushrooms in Europe. So France comes and gets our mushrooms, and we barter for wine. And then we take the wine and barter it for meat. And it's one of those barter things. So we had a meal, mushroom soup, of course. And then, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And then that night, I was listening to Radio Free Europe, and, uh, and we got up the next morning and went to the orphanage. You go in the orphanage, think of a huge, uh, almost military building, mm. big, thick walls, you know, and we go into a room it's probably 60 by 60 and there's baby beds all around and the lady says paperwork's in order pick which one you want you can pick one you can pick two which one do you want and i my wife couldn't deal with it so i went in i held every one of those 60 babies wow and when i got to jess i said this is the one and uh she has been a blessing ever since bill Wow, it's almost bringing tears to my eyes. And it's interesting that a lot of babies or, or, or orphans need loving, caring families. Because I have, as a black person, I look at it, I have looked at it, I've learned differently. But let me just share a quick story about my bias, my prejudice, and my stereotypes when it comes to orphans. I've always wondered why white people will go halfway around the world to um, adopt a white baby, whether it's Poland or whether it's Russia or whether it's uh, Asia, anywhere, when they're black babies here that, it's like, I'm not going to adopt this baby, but I've seen white people adopt black babies, and I've seen, but very rarely do I see black people adopt white babies. Interesting. So I've always thought that. I, I, I've always thought in my mind, why would that be the case? And is it because of the whiteness of the baby skin, no matter where they came from? Or is it like, Odell? No, it's not a black-white thing. It's a... Whatever thing. Well, it, that's a great question, and it never occurred to me till you just said that. Why wouldn't we get an orphan from the United States? I mean, we knew why we didn't. Uh, we had an infant the first time, Will, our son. He was six weeks old when we got him from Catholic Charities in Bridgeport, Connecticut. My wife at the time, who couldn't have kids, um, wanted a child from Poland because she was Polish. Ah. So that's why we went to Poland. But it never occurred to me to pick up someone in the States. Because, see, it was very difficult to get two white infants adopted in the States. Wow. You could, and I never, it never occurred to me to go black or oriental or any other thing. 
Uh, and when she said she wanted to go to her country in Poland, I said, okay. I'm, well, I'm well that makes it. sense. That yeah. makes sense. And you said it's hard to get two white babies. This is a premium on white um, adoption? I, I I don't know. I, I'm black. I'm the good looking black guy. I have no <laughs> idea about is there a premium on white babies in America to be adopted? Well, I don't. I don't know. At least know. where we were in Connecticut, uh, the social services wouldn't let you do it. So it was in maybe just that part of the country or something. And you think uh, there's a this Odell here? And I I. I jump in just because this thought came and and I love it. Do you think it's a premium on how many black babies someone can adopt? I bet you not. I bet you not. No premium. So I bet you if we would have said we wanted a, a a black baby, it has said, bring it on. Uh, Cause Bridgeport, Connecticut had a uh lot of black babies. Yeah. Wow. It's never occurred to me. You know, it's interesting. The stuff we get in on this show and that's the beauty part, the beautiful part about as Christians that we have conversations with people like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's saying that. Oh, my God, I I can't believe Bill is saying that because Odell loves Bill. And the last time I checked, Bill loved Odell. Yeah. And so we could have the tough conversations because, Bill, if you and I can't have the tough conversations as friends and find common ground, how can anybody else even attempt to have these conversations and it's not making a joke as they are premium black babies, white babies, but it goes back to the point because then it's not just black and white. I have a friend who, who's a, who's Jewish and they're like, okay, if a Jewish person marries outside of the, and use, I used to think Jewish was a religion, but it's not a religion. It's the whole thing. You know, if it's you a culture, Jew, it's a culture. It's like, okay, if they marry out, that's fine, and they have babies, that's fine. If a Jewish married Christian guy, but how's the baby going to be raised? Is the baby going to be raised Jewish? So it's not just black white. It's just not Bill Odell. It's just not. It's just. It's just. It's just being human. And as grandparents, we got to go from there. So Bill, I just keep learning new things about you, man, <laughs> and I think I know you. Well, I don't want to show you everything. <laughs> 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 uh, the uh, but listen, you know, I was as you I was reflecting as you were talking about that. You know, I was thinking, what was I told about interracial uh, relationships and kids? You know, like a white couple having a black child or black couple having a white child. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, probably this was in the '60s that I was told that if you do that, you're making it very difficult on the kids growing up. Because they're going to, if you live in Parma and you adopt, they're going to go to an all-white school. And it's going to be tough on them. And it was interesting, that book I was reading, a girl did that. She integrated and went to a white school. Mm -hmm. And nobody, she dropped the N-word. They were doing everything to her, except during basketball season. Mm. Because she was a basketball star. And then everybody clapped for her and rooted for her. But when basketball season was over, it was back to the same kind of stuff. Uh huh. I'm like, whoa. But that's that's society. Think about it from a perspective that if it was easy, anybody would do it. Um, the law was if one had one drop of black blood, then they were considered black. Yeah. One drop, Bill. I don't know. I'm not that smart. You're smarter than I am. I don't know how many drops of blood that the average human body has in it, but one drop. Just one drop. But I thank God for this. I thank God for the whole thing that when you talk about the blood and then you talk about the blood of Jesus, 
what would one drop, and we've talked about mm. this before, but what mm. would one drop of the blood of Jesus do? Mm. If we have one drop of the blood of Jesus inside of us, if we have one drop of the blood of Jesus uh, on us, if, if we're covered with one drop, just one drop of the blood of Jesus. I heard one guy told me a long time ago, if when it rains on Sunday, uh, 19 uh, drops of rain will keep 20 Baptists at home you know, <laughs> you know, on Sunday. So, Bill, tell us about the blood of Jesus when we talk about my grandmother, the albinos, or your situation with your sister. By the way, was the Richardson gentleman white or black? Black. He was black. So the black guy took the white family to the country club and you. We could never afford a country club. And he, he was a prime. It was an expensive one in Indianapolis. Uh, but, you know, I think the blood of Jesus is, is interesting because, you know, is if you think about cleansing, you think about cleansing and, uh, you know, would we all want to be at the foot of the cross and get one drop? Yeah. The lamb was slain for us. He was slain for our sins so that we can have eternal life. That means, buddy, I'm going to be with you forever, so better get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be with Jesus forever. And a lot of the things we wrestle with here, whether it's white, whether it's black, is this child this, or this child that, I'm going to write this person out of my will, I'm going to do this. And Jesus said, if you accept me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mansions, mansions, mm. you know, mansions. But I go away to prepare a house for you, mm. prepare room for you. Mm. But in the midst of that, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit to comfort you, the comforter. Yeah. So I guess when we argue over things here, God just smiles. God just smiles, Bill, because some of the stuff we take to our grave with us. Yep. But I hope that we don't allow our issues on this side of heaven to get in the way of us getting in heaven. Yeah. Amen. Amen, brother. Well said. Well said. So how's it with your brother-in-law? Your brother-in-law, is your brother-in-law now? Yeah. He, 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 Jerry was a great guy. He passed away a number of years ago, but oh my gosh, we, we look forward to seeing Jerry. And, wow. you know, we, we did all the all the silly things to him. You know, we'd say, do you like fried chicken? <laughs> he said, I love fried say, chicken. Say, but Bill, you know, you're saying silly, and some people would be like, oh, my God, what a stereotype. What stereotypical stereotypes <laughs> on that. And you're like, but we're family, and we're laughing, and we're joking, and we joke about this and that. Well, and- he'd give it right back to us. He'd, he'd pick an ethnic food like we, we're we we eat pierogi. He goes, you white boy. Wait a minute, what is pierogi? Pierogi is like a lasagna. It's like a... Uh, a piece of dough with cheese in it or uh, sauerkraut and things. It's a Ukrainian food, and you cook it, you boil them, and then you cook them in butter and onions, and it's really good. It's uh, it's it's like a ravioli, but but Ukrainian. And uh, they used to have that, and galumki was the other food we had, okay. which was stuffed cabbage. Okay, galumki. Galumki, stuffed cabbage. Okay. Now, that's my favorite food. Okay. I'll have it for breakfast, drive my kids nuts. But, uh, but that's the... Uh, so those are two foods that were ethnic, and he would come in with bags of this stuff and said, if you're going to get me fried chicken, I'm going to get you this. And we'd give it back and forth to each other and, and just much fun. You know, you think sometimes we're just too, not too sensitive because we want to be careful, 
but we don't want to be so careful. I think instead of being as careful as we are about racial differences, ethnic differences, culture differences, we should be more prayerful about racial differences, culture differences, ethnic differences. And respectful of them. And respectful. respectful because your heritage mm-hmm. is different than my heritage, but your heritage is rich, and so is mine. If we can blend those two, we've got some. Exactly. And Bill, I'm going to close with this from my heritage. As I've stated before, My on my wife's side, she had a great-great-grandmother who was very Geechee Gullah. Geechee Gullah is slave language to come in. And she would pray like this. She would say, you know what I'm done, Yafa. So I got to tell you. And let me interpret that. What that meant is saying, God, you know why I'm down here on my knees. I do not have to verbalize what I'm saying. Mm. So let's close the show with this. You know it, we're done, Yafa. I ain't got to tell you. Amen. Amen. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. This podcast is proudly sponsored by... Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 Chief Financial Officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.